Lord God, thank you for this time right now to be in your word. We ask God that you bless your word and ask for your spirit, Lord. As we've been crying out to you, we've been surrendering to you, God. We are hungry for you, hungry to hear from you, Lord. And so I ask for your touch right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Dominating the news lately is the calamity of the wildfire in Northern California. You've probably been seeing that. It's been reported that the Dixie Fire is now the second largest wildfire in California history, growing to over 465,000 acres. That's a lot. To give you a perspective, that's about the same size as Maui. So think of all of our island on fire. That, that's, that's how large this fire is. Of course, heavy winds haven't helped. Hot weather hasn't helped. It's hard to control. Uh, I think there's only 25% contained, maybe a little more at the time I'm saying this. I know that nearly 900 buildings and businesses have been destroyed, along with uh, pretty much decimating the mountain town of Greenville. It was totally burnt. Many blame the record drought in California. They're in a drought like us. Uh, which 90% of the western U.S. is now in a drought. I didn't know that. The western side's in a drought already. Now, some people ask when these calamities happen, could this be the judgment of God? I mean, some people think, well, California's a pretty liberal government. They've been, they moved, I would say, away from the principles of the Bible. And so, could it be maybe that's why this drought and then the resulting fires and so many acres of land and people losing their houses and businesses? Is, is that the judgment of God? I mean, could it be like, you know, when Elijah called for a drought on the land in First Kings 17? Why? Well, we know the judgment came because um, the, the, the government, the king, the nation had, had abandoned God and they they were in sin and so it could have been judgment. Uh, I mean, it was judgment upon the sins of Israel. So, are these wildfires in California are they the judgment of God? I mean, when calamity happens, we think that right away. I'm sure in different situations and countries and all um, different places, earthquakes, everything, volcanoes, tsunamis. You know, so are the wildfires in California the judgment of God? Well, my answer is no. I don't think so. I mean, we live in a fallen world. And so we cannot say that really all calamities are the judgment of God. I mean, of course, there could be. Um, but we got to be careful not to just make this blanket statement and put every calamity into the category of God's judgment. Sometimes calamity is. I mean, we've, we read that in the Old Testament. We've studied that before. And right now we're on, on Sundays we're in Revelation. Definitely a lot of the uh, cataclysmic things that are happening, there is God's judgment falling upon the world in the seven years of the tribulation. So sometimes it is God's judgment. But it doesn't mean that all calamity is God's judgment. Well, as we return to our study here in the book of Luke, Jesus clarifies this, that Calamity isn't always, quote-unquote, the judgment of God. But calamity does have a message. And that's what Jesus wants to show us. Calamity, basically, we're going to see from Jesus. It tells us that anyone can die at any moment, so everyone should be really spiritually right with God. 
And that's what we're going to really unfold here in our passage tonight. And that is the message in the calamity. That's our title tonight. Again, we're going to be studying Luke chapter 13 from verse 1 through 9. And there's three parts to this section, and, and this is our outline. Number one, the first part is the temple casualties. Number two, the tower fatalities. And number three is the true catastrophe. So that's our outline for tonight. Let's begin with number one. The, just the first part of this is the temple the temple casualties the temple casualties and here we're going to cover verses 1 through 3 here in Luke chapter 13 so let's take a look at this here all three verses read it says there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices and he answered them Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Okay, we'll stop there. Now, we begin here with Jesus. He's continuing his teaching. He's going on really, uh, uh, you know, when this was written, there was no like chapters and verses. You know, that was put in later by the monks and all who was copying the scriptures and helped to divide things, helped to be able to reference things. But Jesus is just continuing on from chapter 12 in his teaching. And here he moves into answering a question that people are kind of wondering about in their minds. Now, understand this, so let's back up for a moment. Jesus had been teaching on how life is not about the earthly, right? Life is about the eternal things and how the eternal basically can come sooner than you think. But we saw last time, Jesus has come to die on a cross and make it possible so that we can secure our eternal future in heaven, right? He's, he came to die on a cross, and, and that's what we saw last time. And, and, and you got to be secure in your future because you have to get that done before you die. You remember um, he was talking about how if you do it before you die, that's going to be good because after you die, you're going to have to face judgment without the atonement, and that's the cross. That's Jesus' sacrifice. So that was the reality. It's talking about judgment. You've got to receive Christ before you die, and that was face-to-face with the truth, the title of our message last week. So in talking about judgment, Jesus, going along with that thought, brings up something that is on everyone's mind. It had been brought up to Jesus. Maybe it was right here during this time. Maybe it had been a little bit earlier. But there's some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans. So, so during this teaching time, some had told them uh, about these Galileans who, whose blood Pilate mingled with sacrifices. Now, this was like the talk of the town, of the country, you can say. This was big news. It was, it was a shocking thing to hear about. It was all over the TV. They didn't have TV. But, but imagine, it would be like that. It would be on Jerusalem News Now or whatever station you watch, you know. And, and that, that's what it was like. Everyone knew about it. Everyone talked about it. And what it had happened was Pilate, from our passage here, who is the governor over the area of Jerusalem, he sent his Roman soldiers over to the temple and killed some Galilean Jews who were right then and there offering up sacrifices to the Lord. 
And most likely this was the time of the Passover when all this had happened because during that time of the Passover, there was like 250,000 animal sacrifices sacrificed and the priests couldn't do it on their own so they allowed some of the men to help out in the sacrifices. So here's these Galilean guys who come in, worshiping the Lord, offer up sacrifices and Pilate come in and kills them. Why is that? Well, it must have been Gala, that they did something wrong against Rome. That That's for sure, because Pilate took this real hostile move against them. And you know what? Back then, the Galileans were known to be rebellious against Rome, and so they did something that warranted this. I don't know, maybe they, they killed a Roman soldier. Maybe, you know, they did something really bad to where Pilate went right there into the temple and sliced them up, killed them right there. So they were tracked down, killed, and, and shockingly, when their blood spilled, it mixed in with the sacrifices that they were offering up to the Lord. And, and, and you know what's crazy is the Romans didn't wait till they came out of the temple yeah, to do this. They went marched right in there, and so the blood was mixed with the sacrifices. So Jesus is bringing this up. You know, you guys have been talking about all this. Jesus is like, what about these Galileans? What do you guys think about this? Jesus knows what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, God must have judged these guys, right? Because of the wrong they did. Maybe that, that's what's going on. And, and so he goes on and he says in verse 2, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So do you think these are the worst of the Galileans? You know, They were the worst sinners. And so that's why they died in this in a horrible manner, right when they're before Lord, the Lord and offering up the sacrifices and all of that. They're thinking probably that Jesus is like, you know, they must have died this way because they did something really, really bad. So that's why God must have judged them and they died in this manner. They suffered in this manner. Now, it's easy for our minds to go there. I think I think we, we do that even today, right? In 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 disasters and certain countries and things that happen, we think, oh, maybe something you know going on there. I remember in um, I think it was that earthquake, was it in Haiti? You know, there was a lot of talk with Christians. Oh yeah, because they do all that voodoo and everything, and and you know, so our minds already automatically go there. And I I think because we've seen it in the Bible. Yeah, we've seen judgment fall upon in the Old Testament. Or, for example, you remember in Acts 12 when Herod took all the praise, you know, and people are saying, you're a God, you're a God. And he took all that praise. And in, in Acts 12, 23, it says, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, that God judged him. So it's easy to look. On how God put judgment upon certain individuals and for their sin, and then apply that to calamities that happen to many people all at once. So is that God's judgment? So is the temple casualties, is what happened here with the Galileans dying there, is that God's judgment? What does Jesus say? Verse 3, no, I tell you. I think today we say, I tell you, no. You know, like, hey, no, this isn't what it is. 
No, it wasn't like the Galileans were worse than all the other Galileans, that they're the worst sinners, so God chose them to judge and have them die this way. No. And this is officially out of Jesus' mouth here. So Jesus is saying this, and this is the, first of all, I want you to see this. Jesus is saying, you can't make this blank, blanket statement because not all calamities that result in casualties are necessarily the judgment of God. We can't just automatically think that. And that's what Jesus is basically saying right now. You know, no, no, I tell you, no. It's, it's not that. It, it's not that. I tell you, no. Take a moment, turn over to the right, to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. If you look at verse 1 through 3 here, John chapter 9, uh, th- there was an a incident that came up here with a, um, a blind man. And he was asked a question in John chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they felt like this uh, birth defect came upon this boy, because, this man, now he's older, because, because of the sins of either the parents or, or sins of, of the man himself. Look what Jesus said. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Interesting, isn't that? I, I think that's great. I think in, in what Jesus is saying here is, is, you know what? Just, it's not always that cut and clear here. Not all calamities that result in casualties are necessarily the judgment of God. It, it, it's not always so cut and clear, and you can't make a blanket statement in all of these things. So later on, Jesus healed, healed the, the man, you know. And, and we've talked about this before in our study in Revelation that we live in this fallen world. So, you know, things, things happen in, in our sinful world. So you can't always say, well, it's God's judgment. It's God's judgment. So the temple casualties are not God's judgment. But then Jesus says something else here. Back to Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, you know what? You will die in your sins and fall under judgment you, unless you repent. Yeah? Unless you repent, then you're going to be under judgments when, when it comes to die and, and um, you'll face the, the judgment of God. You see how it connects our last passage? Now, the word repent means to change, uh, change of directions. It's like doing a 180, a U, U-turn from your sin. So you see how, really, if you think about it, this connects very well to the end of chapter 12. Remember he told that scenario where uh, this guy owed some money, and Jesus said, you know, it's better to settle out of court before you stand before the judge, and then you end up in debt- debtor's prison. You know, and it was all about getting right with God before you die or you'll perish. You'll go to hell. So Jesus is continuing on with this thought that basically, you know what, when death comes, that's it. There's no more chances. So what's the message of calamity? And I'm going to give you some answers to this. And the first answer is this. Death can come at any 
time. That's the message. Really, that's what Jesus is saying. You, you know, death can come at any time. So you've got to be ready. Death can come at any time. Yeah, these people died. Yeah, these people died in this incident. But you know what? Death can come to anybody at any time. The Roman city of Pompeii was destroyed in an instant in 79 AD when the volcano Mount Vesuvius erupted. It was a Roman city there in Italy. Many saw this actually as God's judgment. It, that it fell on the city. It was, it was a city full of immorality and sin and all. And they worshipped the Greek and Roman gods. And 20,000 souls died that day. Um, discoveries were made. People, they're like mummified. I mean, the heat and volcano and the blast came so fast that they were like mummified right there, frozen in time, doing everyday normal tasks. Some say the city was judged for the Romans had destroyed the Jewish temple. Yeah, nine years or earlier than this. And, and so a lot of people think that, but is this what really happened? I don't know. It might be. But in what we're reading today, I don't think so. I mean, in the ruins, it wasn't just sinners, yeah, you know, who were, who were into these, you know, gods and false gods and uh, sexual morality and all that. But in the ruins, they also have found little babies and children. Everyday people probably didn't engage in immorality. And there was probably believers living in that city too. So does that mean that maybe even believers did something bad to fall under judgment? Jesus is saying, no, no, no. That, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about at all. The message of calamity... It, it, it really is saying death can come at any time. It, it, it's not like God's judgment, but, but we can die either naturally in an accident or some natural disaster, but hey, death is going to come. And when it comes, are you, are you ready, basically? Benjamin Franklin said a long time ago, nothing is certain except death and taxes. So we know that, right? It's appointed for man once to die, Hebrews says. So, if someone asks you, was that plane crash, with all those people who died, was that the judgment of God? Was, was that tsunami that came and killed all those people in Japan, was that the judgment of God? Was that earthquake with thousands and thousands who died, was that the judgment of God? You know, I would tell them, I'd say, well, I, I don't know for sure, but I don't, I don't think that's the message God is really sending us. I think the message that anything could happen to any one of us in this fallen world, and so we should be thinking about our future, because at any time, we can die. And that's the message in the calamity. So this is the temple casualties Let's go to number two now. The tower fatalities. The fower, tower <laughs> fatalities. So we're going to look at verse four and five here. As Jesus gives another example, basically. Verse four. Or those, 18, on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Uh, 
So Jesus brings up another incident that everyone knows about. And that everyone is thinking and talking, well, that, that must have been God's judgment too that happened here. So Jesus says, or let me add this. How about this? You guys know about those 18 people where they died, where the Tower of Siloam fell on them and they got killed. You think that they were the worst sinners in all who live in Jerusalem? That's why they were chosen to be killed there. They were, they were there. That's what happened when, when, God, when that fell and that was the judgment of God. Now the Tower of Siloam is in kind of southeastern part of the city. And that was actually where the water was piped into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, this tower, uh, we don't know exactly. It could have been maybe scaffolding when they were building this aqueduct. The Romans were into building aqueducts and piping in the water. Or the tower was built there to keep an eye on the water flow of the aqueduct. So, and the reason it fell, we, we don't know, but it fell. Either way, it fell over and 18 people died. Perhaps some were the workers. Perhaps there's people walking by and they were crushed to death also. Well, in the same way, Jesus confronts their thoughts. Their thoughts of, well, they died because of God's judgment. For they must have done something bad. That's why this happened to them. I mean, we think about that today, right? Oh, bachi, <laughs> you know, kind of thought, right? And go, oh, yeah, you, you know, bad karma or whatever. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about bachi in that same way. Well, you have to understand that was the thinking back then for the people of Israel. I mean, the Jewish religious leaders, they believed this. They taught this. I'll tell you what they, they, their thinking was. See, the Jews, they thought they were superior to any other race, right? There was only the Jews and the Gentiles. Because of the covenant with God, they had God's favor. They were God's people. And so the Jews believed that they were blessed and protected by God. But if calamity happened, it's because, well, you've fallen out of favor from God. And because there's, that's because of sin in your life. So if something bad happened to you, the conclusion is you must be a sinner and God brought judgment upon you. Which means their thinking was bad things only happen to bad people. Now, the Galileans, we could maybe say, yeah, maybe they're bad. Maybe they did something very bad. So the Romans came back and, and killed them. But Jesus brings in this example, people in Jerusalem, right? Pe people in Jerusalem who seemingly here were reading did nothing wrong. Something happened with the tower falling, but they still die. And an interesting thing, too, that the Jews in Jerusalem the southern part of Israel looked down upon the Galileans who were from the northern part <laughs> and thought they were inferior to them because they, they live here in the holy city and all. So in their logic and theology, Jesus brings up, well, well, how about you Jerusalem guys? And these guys died. What about that? You look upon them, oh, maybe they did something wrong then. That had to be. That's why they died in this way. But that is not what's happening in the temple fatalities. Jesus says once again in verse 5, he clarifies, right? No, I tell you. 
No, that, that, that's, it, it's not that these guys are worse people, the worst of Jerusalem, and so God had to judge them that the bad things happened because they did bad things. No, it's not that. But here's what you've got to think about. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You're going to die in the same way. Notice, Jesus is saying, basically, you guys got to repent. So he's saying, you guys are just as bad <laughs> about these guys that you're saying, oh, well, they were, they probably judged by God. You see, since the Jews felt like, well, nothing's bad happened to me, then I must be good. Right? Well, they thought that they were so good and above all this. Jesus is like, you guys got to repent or you're going to be under judgment. So there's a whole different thought coming you know, from Jesus into their minds. It was almost like they would take the calamity to make themselves look better, but in reality, just saying, you guys need to help. You guys, unless you repent, you're going to be under judgment. So here's the second answer to what's the message of calamity. You still have an opportunity to repent. That's what Jesus is bringing forth here. Repent, you guys, unless you guys repent. Right? Remember he just talked about in chapter 12 about the, the, the debt, right? Of, uh, if, if you die before you make right with the judge, it's like, hey, unless you repent now, yeah, you're going to perish too under judgment. So what's the message of calamity? You still have an opportunity to repent. Don't think you're so great and so good, you know, that you're above this. That, oh, I'm not bad. See, nothing happens. No, it's not about that. In 1861, there was a train wreck in London. Then around the same time, there was a, a disaster in the, in the tunnel, the English tunnel, uh, you know, going into France under the water there and under the channel. And both of these calamities brought much, you know, many fatalities. And, well, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of that time, preached a sermon after these things happened to combat the thinking of Christians at that time. And he actually taught the same text that we're studying today. And he wanted to erase this idea that God killed those people because... You know why, what Christians were thinking? They were traveling on a Sunday, the Lord's Day. That's what, that's what the Christians were thinking. So God judged them. They, they shouldn't have been doing that. Surgeon, Spurgeon put it this way, As I look for a moment on the poor mangled bodies of those who had been so suddenly slain, my eyes find tears, but my heart does not boast. Far from me, be a boastful cry, God, I thank thee that I'm not as these men are. No, 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 it's not the spirit of Christ, nor the spirit of Christianity. While we can thank God that we are preserved, we, yet we can say it is of your mercy that we are not consumed. I thought that's so good. Because if you think about it, any one of us could die at any time. But the fact we're alive, it's an opportunity that we can repent Right? And we're only alive because of God's mercy, because we all deserve really to die. No, none of us 
deserves to be living. One sin basically should bring judgment upon us. And so really, Jesus is like, think about the grace and mercy that's there in your life. There's opportunity. You you know what's important? It's not, oh, look, God judged these guys. I'm better than these guys. Those guys are wicked. Well, how about you? You need to repent. This God's given you grace and mercy to an opportunity to repent. And remember, we live in a fallen world. And anything can happen. Any calamity can fall upon us. No one deserves not to die in a calamity. We all deserve death. We are all sinners. That's what the Bible tells us. All have sins. You know, I think about that, and I think about how, God, thank you. Every morning I wake up, and I take a big breath. I think, thank you, Jesus, for that breath of life today. Yeah. That in your mercy that are new every morning, great is your faithfulness, that I have another opportunity to live. So we need to be reminded of that. That when there's calamity that happens and we start to think, oh, what, what is, did they do something? No, the message in that calamity isn't, oh, well, God's judging them. The me- message is, hey, you still have opportunity to live and an opportunity to repent. Besides, who am I huh, to, to say or even think Oh, those guys are under the judgment of God because they're so bad. Who am I? I? I can't play God. I shouldn't pass judgment. I'm just as bad as a sinner yeah. as they are. So keep in mind when calamity comes, it reminds us that anyone can die at any moment and it speaks of God's mercy giving opportunity to repent. And that's the message in the calamity. One more thing here tonight, number three, the true catastrophe. You've seen the temple casualties, the tower fatalities, and now number three, the true catastrophe. And here we'll take the rest of our section, which is from verse six through nine. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said on the he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year, also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. All right, so Jesus now comes after all this brings in this parable and he challenges the jews here really with this thought of they're thinking they're better you know it was this thought of oh yeah god's judging them they were the worst sinners they i'm 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 good they were the bad ones kind of thing so he comes in with the with this challenge really with them thinking that they're better than gentiles or others around them so he gives this parable remember these parables are just story or illustration analogy to really portray God's truth and principle. Well, here, this guy had a fig tree that was planted in the vineyard. Now, the fig tree, 
He's talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. Many times the Old Testament, like in Isaiah, uh, Israel is, is portrayed or symbolized as like a tree with fruit or nor, no fruit. So this particular tree, this fig tree, is Israel. And it's in this vineyard, which is basically the world where the nation is planted. And so God comes to check on the tree and looks and there's no fruit. What is that? It's speaking of no spiritual fruit. Where the nation is no longer actively really seeking God with their heart and trying to know God in truth. They, they, they've gone far away and at this time in their ritualistic, legalistic uh, traditions and customs in the way they worship God. So their heart is far from God. It's more an outward kind of motion kind of thing. So for three years, right, he says here uh, that for three years now, I've been coming, seeking fruit, but I find none. Let's cut it down. This is God saying, I've been looking three years. And you know what I believe this is speaking of? I believe this is speaking about the three years that Jesus ministered here on this earth. And still... Generally, as a nation, the nation did not respond. So the vine dresser, which is Jesus, suggests that they dig around it. No, no, let's not cut it, cut it down and pull it out yet. Jesus suggests that let's dig around it, put some manure or fertilize it and let's, let, for a year and, and see yeah, if there's going to be fruit. And I believe that year is speaking about the time of the apostles after Jesus ascended to heaven, and the church started, and they went out first right, to Jerusalem and Judea. They went first to the Jews to share the gospel. But the Jews in general rejected the gospel and Jesus and the apostles, so it was cut down. And many believe that this speaks of in how I had mentioned in 70 AD, 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Remember, uh, about three years before that, the Jews started to rebel, all of them, and more and more to the point in 70 AD, the Romans came in, destroyed, uh, you know, took over Jerusalem, destroyed and burned the temple. And that was the end of their way of life. That was the end of their customs and the way they worship God in this temple. It was all gone to this day that way of worshiping. So this parable is about the true catastrophe that was coming because of the unrepented heart of Israel. That's why Jesus puts this out now. Unless you repent, hey, you guys are going to perish too. Don't think that, oh, there's worse sinners than you or there's worse people in Jerusalem than you. Oh, that, it's God's judgment has fallen. No, you know what? what what's going to come if you, unless you repent? The, the real catastrophe is you guys. You guys thinking you're okay. Thomas Fuller said, You cannot repent too soon because you do not know how soon it may be too late. You got to read that again. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I like that though. Yeah? I like that. So, Here's the third answer to what's the message of calamity? You must repent now and show its fruit. 
You can say you repent. But if there's no fruit, it's not real. You, you must repent now. You've, you, you've got to realize where you're at and show its fruit. John the Baptist told the Pharisees in uh, Luke chapter 3 and the first part of verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance yeah show that you're repentant show that 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 that's that's who you are that was the fruit that god was looking for that was the man who came to the fig tree looking for that spiritual fruit of a true repentant heart who knows they're under the judgment of god that they need atonement for their sins and the blood of bulls and goats cannot atone and they, that they need jesus and they come to jesus and they truly repent and turn from their sin not i'm okay yet underneath you're not like we've been talking about you know if you say you're a surfer you're going to surf right <laughs> If if you dive, you're gonna you're gonna go dive. You don't just have the equipment. You you go and do it. If you're a baker, hey, let's see the cakes. <laughs> Let me eat one. See if you're a good one or not. <laughs> Say you play guitar, bust it out. Let's hear it, right? Well, think about that. If you're a Christian, where's the fruit? Where's where's the fruit of what we see here? That's written in God's word. That that defines who a Christian is. Where's, where's that fruit? That's what God came to look for that fruit in Israel. It wasn't there. If you're a follower of Jesus, then how's your walk? Yeah, and, right? How's your life? Are you living as Jesus lived? Are you following in his manner? If you repented of that sin, then why do you still sin that way? Right? If you're really repented. Where's that spiritual fruit? I was thinking, oh, God, do you have to search really hard, you know, to look for that fruit? You know, sometimes you're looking, hey, where, where, where's the fruit? You know, when our, um, our avocado tree, when, the, when we were small, we kind of look, oh, where, where, where? Oh, okay, you know, see the little buds. When they're bigger and they're, they're like all, all over, it's like, oh, easily you can see, oh, this is good avocado tree, right? Does God have to search hard to find it? Are we making it easy for him? R. Kent Hughes said, Repentance is nothing less than a radically changed life. I like that. It has to be, right? Because the word repent means to change directions, to change your mind, to, to do a 180, to do a U-turn. So it's, that's radical. And we're going to turn from our sin and turn to the cross and turn to Jesus and turn our life around. That's repentance. And that's what's important here. I'll close with this. Someone said that in Russia, he finds believers over there, they don't say, like, I'm born again. They don't say, oh, I'm saved. They don't say, I'm, I'm redeemed or I was converted. You know what they say? They use the phrase, I repented. I like that. I repented. See, salvation is not just to say, oh, you know, I've got Jesus came, he saved me. No, it's to say, I repented of my sin and I turned to Christ. I turned from away from my sin and I turned to faith 
in Christ. That's what it is. So, as we come here to close, we've learned not all calamities that result in casualties are necessarily the judgment of God. And what's the message of calamity? Death can come at any time and we still have an opportunity to repent because of God's mercy. But we need to repent now and show the fruit. So you see, when we see calamities in the world, when we see, see those, those cataclysmic things or, or these hurricanes come through and a lot of people die or, or um, I might mention some things on Sunday I was thinking about the flooding that's going on and all. You know what? We don't know for sure if it's God's judgment. But what we do know for sure, that there's a message there. <laughs> that, you know what? The message is we either die in a calamity or you, we die naturally. But we're all going to die. And God's giving us an opportunity to think about that and repent and show those fruits of repentance. So now you see what God is trying to say with the message in the calamity. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I just love your word. Thank you for just teaching us today, Jesus, and being able to understand this passage and what's going on and what was happening in the minds of the people, the Jews around you when you preached this, God, when you taught this. And Lord, thank you that today we are still hearing your voice, God, speaking to us. God, forgive us if we're too judgmental, Lord, uh, maybe on others. And sometimes we do that to lift ourselves up, God. Forgive us of our pride. God, but God, we want to stay humble before you. Lord, we are sinners just as anyone else is. We are not any better. And we deserve judgment as anyone does. But tonight, God, we ask for forgiveness and cleansing. And for those who are, are in sin, we ask that you would help them, God. That you would bring them to their senses as you, you bring us to our senses, Lord. To see sin for what it is, Lord. To see the consequences of how sin can bring its own judgment and ruin us. How, Lord, that you sometimes do deal with nations and peoples and countries, God. But whatever you do, that's between you and them. But tonight, it's between us and you, Lord. Between you and I. God, we want to be right before you. And I ask that you just forgive us right now, Lord. That... Anyone hearing the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would repent and confess their sins, that we would all come to you. And we know in 1 John 1, 9 says that, that when we confess our sins, Lord, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we need your cleansing, God. Lord, we need, Lord, a renewing in our heart right now. And I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would do that very thing and refresh us and renew us right now. That you would change our thinking on these things we learned tonight and change our attitude towards others and people. That we would have more of a compassion 
an understanding and that we can relate that we are all sinners too and we fall down before you, God. We fall in humbleness, Lord. We fall in repentance. And we exalt you as our Lord and God. So, Jesus, forgive us and cleanse us and lift us up, God, into being the people you want us to be. And I pray, God, that for those who are struggling even right now, that you would bring freedom and victory, God, over their sin. In Jesus' name, amen.